Welcome to another installment of the Whitaker Myers Wealth Managers What We Learned in the Markets This Week video. We aim to provide you, our valued clients, with a brief video giving you information that is helpful to your understanding of the markets from a biblical worldview with no financial agenda, which makes us uniquely different from the news media in America. This video is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make investment decisions. The clients of Whitaker Myers Wealth Managers may maintain positions in the securities discussed in today's video. All opinions discussed are solely those of John Mark Young and not those of Whitaker Myers Wealth Managers. Hi, I'm John Mark Young. Now, it seems that the market did not, did not, in fact, need lower interest rates to continue its climb down, or excuse me, its climb up over the last few weeks. This week, we received Fed meeting minutes that confirmed that the Federal Reserve wants more data before starting to cut interest rates, meaning the Fed March meeting that we're getting ready to have or they're getting ready to have will almost certainly not see a rate cut at this point. And even the June meeting now has a low probability of seeing a rate cut. Yet the market heard that this week and still went up. And, and as we'll dive into in points number two and four, the markets have been able to rally just on earnings and economic optimism, as opposed to the Fed cutting rates to stimulate the TINA trade, which is, of course, there is no alternative to stocks. It's much better to be in the camp that the markets will rise on strong economic growth and earnings potential and, and earnings actually happening and expansion within companies than just interest rates are below the inflation line. Thus, I have to invest in stocks. This is common mid-cycle stuff we're seeing, and it's good to see. It makes me optimistic and us optimistic for equity investors, all while we're getting to enjoy 5% plus interest rates for the conservative investor. For the markets to continue their climb, we need to see the economy not surprise us in any way with economic data that gives the bears a reason for hope. Let's just keep those bears angry right now. We love angry bears, and trust me, they are angry right now. They don't like what we're seeing. So let's review this week's economic data to see if there were any surprises. First, we look at the Atlanta Fed's GDP Now tracker to gauge where the economy is from a growth perspective with real-time data. However, there was no real-time data to update this week, and thus the tracker stayed where it was the last week. They didn't even update it, uh, the last update being February 16th. And so we're sitting at 2.9% on the Atlanta Fed's GDP Now uh, model. We will get an update this Tuesday, so stay tuned on that for next week's video. Unfortunately, we do have some bad news for those looking to purchase a home for the second straight week. Mortgage rates took a tick up. The 30-year mortgage rate hit 6.9% and the 15-year mortgage rate hit 6.29%. The 15-year most recently hit a low of 5.75, but has jumped about a half a percent in the last few weeks, hitting where it's currently at right now. Now on to the labor markets, where we get a weekly look at those going on unemployment for the first time with the initial claims for unemployment insurance. And those came out this week and dropped to 201,000, which was a nice decline on an already historically low number. And then we have the continuing claims, which is the number uh, where we look at people that are on unemployment insurance that were not able to get off and not able to find work. And those dropped to 1.862 million. Again, right around that pre-pandemic number, which was a pretty good economy back then, if you remember. So more of the bore in those numbers, a nice little rhyming phrase there, which is essentially to say nothing to report. Everything looks good in those numbers. And finally, let's look at the markets. 
The S&P 500, which is our proxy for growth and growth in income, but only when considered together, that was positive 1.17% this week after sitting uh, down about 1% through Wednesday. So Wednesday, the S&P was sitting at negative one, ended the week positive 1.17. Why? NVIDIA came in and saved the day and shot us to the moon on Thursday and Friday. Again, we're going to talk more about that in a later point. Additionally, the Russell 2000, which tracks small and mid-sized companies or aggressive growth in our Dave Ramsey vernacular, that was negative 2.23%. So no boost from AI or NVIDIA in the small cap, mid cap, aggressive growth numbers. And finally, the MSCI EFA, which tracks stocks within developed countries around the world, excluding the US, that was positive 1.91% this week, making that index, the MSCI EFA, the winner for the week at 1.19%. And now on to point number two, the markets do not like surprises. When things happen as expected, or of course, better than expected, that is when you start to see things go well for the market. So in a word, normal, normal is good. That's how I would describe the fourth quarter earnings season as we're nearly finished with them. We're going through and looking at the fourth quarter earnings right now. As of the beginning of this week, so before the NVIDIA earnings, which we're going to talk about, and these were very, very good, 79% of the S&P 500 companies have now reported their fourth quarter financial results. Our friends at DataTrek and FactSet have put together this nice piece of data to help us analyze where everything's coming in. Now, 75% of companies have beaten Wall Street analysts' uh, earnings estimates. And that sounds really good, right? 75%. But 75% of companies beating Wall Street does not is not that great of a number. Uh, this quarter is lower than the one and five year averages, which have typically come in at 77% for both timeframes. But to go back to a, a normal analogy, normal, it is in line with the 10 year average, which is around 75%. So it's meeting the long-term average. In the aggregate, companies have reported earnings that are 3.9% better than expectations. Again, that sounds good, but not when you compare it to the one, five, and 10. That number didn't meet any of them because the one is 5.7, the five is 8.5, and the 10 is 6.7% respectively. Now, 65% of companies, a lot of numbers here, but 65% of companies have beaten Wall Street's consensus revenue estimates, much like the profit beat percentage. This is below the one and the five. The one is at 67, the five is at 68%. However, it is in line with the 10-year average of 64%, normal. If you average all those numbers above, companies have exceeded analyst revenue expectations by 1.2%. This is well below the one and five-year averages of the one year being 1.6 and the five-year being 2%, but largely within line with the 10-year average, which is 1.3. And by the way, what you're seeing on your screen, if you're watching on YouTube or Rumble, are the S&P 500 earnings per share for quarter three, 2023, and looking backwards. Once the earnings, this earnings season is complete for quarter four, then we'll be ready to update this chart. But how about that? So as we get through about three-fourths of the earnings season for the fourth quarter of 2023, what we're seeing is the numbers are not as good as they were over the last one, three, and five. Why? Well, you had such a strong economic impetus from the pandemic relief that, that happened and all the fiscal spending that we, we saw but they are in line for the most part with the 10 year averages normal, which is why the market is acting normal. And how about point number three 
Amazon will replace Walgreens in the Dow Jones Industrial starting on Monday of this next week. Before we get into why, let's talk about what the Dow Jones Industrial is. We've talked about this on a previous video series and what we learned in the markets, but we'll do it again. First, it is the 30 largest blue chip stocks in the market, as opposed to the S&P 500, which market cap weights their index of the 500 largest companies per standard and poor's meaning the size of the company when I say market cap weights. This index, the Dow Jones Industrial, does a price weighting, okay? So it takes the price of the stocks, divides by the number of stocks. Additionally, the Dow Jones, with it only being 30 companies, it's not quite indicative or as broad as the S&P 500 or as the overall market, which is why most pundits agree the S&P 500 is a better indicator of true growth of the economy the companies in the economy, and the U.S. economy. This is why we compare our growth and our growth and in income categories, but only when taken together, not independently, to the S&P 500 and not the Dow Jones Industrial. However, the Dow has been around since 1896, so it's got history on its side. And the reason that Amazon is getting even getting a look to replace Walgreens has less to do with these two companies, maybe more with Amazon, but more to do because of the price-weighted nature. Walmart this week announced it's doing a three-for-one stock split, which will make Walmart a lower holding in the index because it's price-weighted when they do a three-for-one split. Thus, the S&P Dow Jones indices wanted to increase consumer retail exposure considering Amazon is the largest online retailer in the US while also getting more exposure in cloud computing from Amazon Web Services, which accounts for 14% of their revenue and almost all of their operating profit, profit, Amazon was the choice to get added. Amazon joins other software companies in the Dow, like Salesforce, Amgen, and, and Honeywell International. And Walgreens will leave the Dow ha after having been there since 2018 when it replaced GE, General Electric, which was big news at the time, because GE had been part of the Dow since 1896. But in investing, nothing lasts forever. So this change with Amazon and Walgreens will take place in the Dow on Monday, February 26, 2024, the Monday after this video series. And finally, point number four, NVIDIA, a powerhouse in the semiconductor industry, recently released its earnings report and the numbers were nothing short of impressive. The company surpassed market expectations, reporting robust revenue growth driven by strong demand for its GPUs across various sectors. NVIDIA's earnings report showcased substantial revenue growth, especially in their gaming and data center segments. Data centers, something we are very optimistic on from a real estate perspective. The market initially reacted positively, and we saw a surge in NVIDIA's stock price as investors were pleased with the company's financial performance. And as we discussed earlier, that was the impetus for the market getting a big boost Thursday and Friday, pushing the S&P 500 positive for the week. Before the earnings announcement, the entire technology sector faced some challenges related to uh, just regulatory concerns and, and other market dynamics. And of course, NVIDIA wasn't immune to that. You saw a lot of volatility earlier in the week before the earnings announcement uh, that caused some investors to adopt a more cautious approach on the stock. Uh, and, and the market was reacting to the potential impact of a regulatory scrutiny on NVIDIA's future operations and growth prospects, and, and you know maybe some broader market uncertainties contributed to the fluctuations we observed in NVIDIA stock price throughout the week until that earnings announcement came out. And then 
it was up 16% for the week, which was significantly greater than the last earnings announcement where we saw a more modest move to the upside as NVIDIA continued to just impress with their earnings results. Investors are going to continue to monitor market conditions, regulatory developments, and NVIDIA's ability to navigate these challenges. However, the company's long-term growth potential remains strong given the fact that it has a wide moat in GPUs and the advancements in AI. Those wide moats are the things that we think will undoubtedly influence the stock long-term. And if you want to learn more about wide moat investing, including a piece where we talked about NVIDIA a bit on a one-hour webinar, you can go to our YouTube channel and watch our moat-based investing webinar we did with some friends from Van Eck. And again, we specifically spoke about NVIDIA as it is a very popular stock to talk about at this point in time and, and one that most people are um, interested in and, and have in their portfolio, whether it's an individual holding as we hold within our tactical portfolio or within their growth mutual funds, which undoubtedly hold NVIDIA or hopefully they do uh, because it would have been a big driver to the growth funds success over the last year and a half or so since NVIDIA has been on a tear. So hopefully the four things we learned in the market this week was helpful to you. If it was, would you do us a favor? You can do us a favor by hitting the like button and the subscribe button. The like button pushes our content out to more people on YouTube and Rumble and helps the algorithm do that, as well as the subscribe button allows our content to be pushed out to you before anyone else, which includes our monthly webinars we do, uh, including the moat one we just spoke about, and one we'll be doing with our friends at PIMCO later in the month of March. As well as if you would like to schedule a meeting with any of our financial coaches or planners, our coaches help you in baby steps one, two, and three, get out of debt, stay out of debt, live debt free, hold you accountable to that budget. They can and will reach out to you as well as you can schedule a meeting with any of our financial planners who help you in baby steps four, five, and six, and they will help you build out that retirement investing strategy you should have, help you plan for your kid's college, help you get your mortgage paid off so you can reach baby step seven where you can live and give like no one else. Thanks so much for watching this week's video. We'll look forward to seeing you next week.